Let's read some Bible, and then, uh, and then I'll, I'll pray. Here's the interesting part about this portion of Scripture. We've been studying Luke 11 and 12, which I think are kind of in tandem. I think this scene kind of unfolded as Jesus came into a, an environment, began to teach and share, and people began to criticize him, and Jesus began to defend the kingdom, and then he was invited to a Pharisee's house for dinner, you know, and he went over there and began to eat before he washed his hands ceremonially, remember that, and he got in trouble for it, and began to teach them about real righteousness, it's not just on the outside, but on the inside, and then Jesus comes out of that meeting, and there's people everywhere, there's a huge crowd, so on one side, he's got this crowd of people, fans and followers, and on this other side, he's got another group of people that are critics and and haters and jesus then begins to address his disciples knowing very well that you too and i also will be surrounded by those same people that will have a crowd on one side fans followers popularity fear of man and on one side we're going to have critics and haters opposers and opposition to our life in christ and so jesus looks at us and says guys focus focus you need to and here's kind of the big idea this this will change your life by the way if you choose to really double click on it enough times you need to, and I need to, live for the audience of one. And if you really trip out on that, you're like, I'm going I'm to do everything I do for the audience of one. I'm not going to do it out of the fear of man. That is the critics, and man, this is going to upset them. It's not politically correct, and they're going to misunderstand me, and I better just p- put my flag down. I don't want to hold it at the top of the pole. I better just you know, level, you know, level out a little bit. Or, or over here, man, if I do it this way, I can get more friends and more followers, and I can get more popularity and more influence, and, and all that's a trap, all of it. And Jesus says, no, focus on me. Because if you do what you're supposed to do for, for me, I'll defend you, I'll guard you, I'll guide you, and, 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 you'll be pleasing to the one that really is the only one you need to be pleasing to. You see, in our culture, it's easy to offend people, isn't it? I, I see people's posts on Facebook, I'm like, I want to like that, but I know it's going to offend somebody, even if I just like it. So I don't like hardly anything, you know, except like birthdays. Like, oh, it's your birthday, that's not offensive, you know, I don't like that, you know. Here's the problem, though. I think we need to be more concerned with not offending the world, and be concerned with offending our God. Like, is it, am I offensive to God? And that's the big idea here. Jesus focuses in, and he gives this teaching. He says, don't fear what they can do to you. All they can do. Remember the teaching a couple weeks ago? Remember what they, all they can do is kill you. That's it. You know, and some of the disciples are like, time out. That's kind of a lot, you know. <laughs> kind of avoiding that, you know. And Jesus had to stop. He's like, well, Y'all gonna, y'all gonna die one way or the other, but not all you're gonna live, you know, William Wallace would say. And so Jesus here says, guys, fear the one who can kill you, remember? And then cast your soul into hell. And that's pretty, pretty cutthroat. That changes everything because I am really enjoying life. I don't know about you, I'm, I'm enjoying my life. I really, I, I get a lot out of it. I, I anticipate living tomorrow and I've got plans for that day and some beyond. I, I just, I'm just kind of enjoying this. And, and the Lord says, cool, that's great, but take thought for the afterlife and live for that audience of one. Don't just take thought for a left and right and variables and people around you, but instead, don't forget to honor me. As a matter of fact, focus on honoring me and you will be honorable to the people around you. Let's just read, and here's the other interesting part about this portion of scripture is I intended to teach this on March 25th. You guys remember March 25th? It was my dad's birthday. He's sitting there in the back, still here with us. And, uh, and uh, you know, all, and I, but, but, but the, that was Palm Sunday. And then the Lord said, no, you're not teaching that. You're teaching Mark 11. And we went through that whole journey. So I had to go back in my notes and figure out what this even said and read it again and study it out. So this is a portion that I've been thinking about, if you would, for uh, three weeks now, maybe four, because it went Palm Sunday and then Easter Sunday, and now we're here. So let's read verses 8 through 12. It'll be a refresher course, and then we're going to jump into it. Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men... 
Well, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. And I love this sandwich here, this truth. Jesus says, I can forgive. By the way, Jesus got in a lot of trouble by saying stuff like this, that one sentence, I will forgive. Okay? No, no one can forgive except God was the idea. And Jesus is so forgiving. And he forgives and he forgives. And if you've made mistakes here today, you need to hear that. He forgives you. He's looking for people. That's kind of what he's looking for, people to forgive. He's just looking for people who would receive that forgiveness. That's our king and our savior. And he says it right here. Man, if you speak a word against the son, you do something dumb, it will be forgiven him. But he says in verse 10, to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Jesus, again, in, in this portion is saying some crazy stuff. If you're the one who can kill you and send you to hell, like, well, I'm probably not going to preach on that. You know, I'm just going to skip that one. Remember earlier he said, take your thoughts captive and your words careful because everything you share in the dark is going to be shared from the rooftops. Like, oh, I hope that's not really true. You know, hope that's just a fortune cookie. You know, and he's like, this is serious stuff. Jesus loves us. He's like, no, no, no. Pay attention. Then he goes on to give some encouragement in verse 11 and 12. Now, when they bring you to the synagogues and the magistrates and authorities, <laughs> I wonder if they knew they were going to be brought to the magistrates and the synagogues and the authorities, like in trouble. They're like, what are you talking about? We going there? Why are we going there? Because you're going to get in trouble. Do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Now, it's interesting because most of the people Jesus had in his inner circle were peasants, farmers, fishermen, untrained guys. As a matter of fact, in the book of Acts chapter it says that when the magistrates looked at the boys, Peter and John, they saw that they were idiots. That's what it says in the actual Greek. The Greek word is idiotos. These guys are idiots. They're untrained. They don't even know how to talk, and yet they realize they'd been with Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. They realize what? And Jesus says right here, hey, you farmers, you peasants, you backwoods folks, you Newportians, you Lincoln County Coastians, you guys, yeah, that's us. Don't worry about it. I'm going to anoint you guys with power. Because these guys were actually afraid, not of not being able to have a witness, but they were afraid of getting their tongues jumbled and being able to say the right thing because they weren't the most educated, you know, they hadn't been to the schools. And, and there's a good, good message for you and for I, who are kind of thick-headed or whatever the case may be. He says, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit's going to bless you. He's going to anoint you. He's going to overpower you. But there is a strong word here from the Lord to walk with him, to confess him before men, that we might be confessed before angels, and not to deny him, and also to not offend, grieve, quench, or blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. So kind of a big, big message today. So I'm going to pray and ask God to bless this time, that he would open up our hearts and our minds, and that he would do work today. So in Jesus' name, Lord, we approach you now, thanking you for your great grace, for your great mercy. That, Lord, you have been kind to us thus far, and you will continue to be kind. That it, you, you declared even when we are faithless, you remain faithful still, because you can't deny yourself. And so, Lord, not based on our own pedigree, not based on our own actions, worth, or works, but based on your goodness and kindness that lead us to repentance, we approach you this morning. Based on your ability to give to us that which we need, uh, to give to us, Lord, that which we lack, to do for us that which we can't. We approach you, Lord, through your word. Your word is it. It's the roadmap. It's the rule book. It's the words of eternal life. 
We found ourselves on it. And we ask now, Lord, that it would be a blessing to you as we study it, and it would be equally a blessing to us as you make it alive to us. We need you, Lord, and I confess my great need for you this morning as well. Pray for an anointing on this time for my lips to speak and our ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 8. And what Jesus is doing is he's addressing his disciples with these two audiences bearing down on them, wanting them to be aware of the problems that come from the power of popularity, okay, that is the crowds. And and with today's culture, it's easy to get a crowd around you with the media and social media and platforms and schools and work. And even if your crowd is small, even if you have three or four people that are, that matter to you, not three or 400 or in this instance, three or 4,000, but everyone's looking at you and you're like, I don't want to offend them. That's the crowd. My, my, my people. And Jesus is careful, careful of making your decisions based on what they're going to do, the crowd. And he also warns us then about the critics, a smaller group, the ones that are going to get mad when you tell them you're living for Jesus or you're more concerned about what he thinks rather than what they think. And again, if you're taking notes, there's notes in front of you, you can write this kind of stuff down. But the big idea from Jesus is to fear God and not fear man, which in today's day, we're, 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 it's catered to us to fear and to think and to be concerned about what others think about us. And this doesn't apply to everybody, but most of us you know, have a Facebook account or a Twitter account or an Instagram account or a YouTube account or a MySpace account. If you have a MySpace account, we can pray for you uh, today if that's, if that's what happened to you. And, uh, you know, or you have, a, you, have a, you have a text message. You have something, you know. And all of those platforms are geared towards appeasing an audience. Okay, or, or, or having some sort of crowd watch you and look to you and wonder what's going on in your life. And tweeters follow you on Twitter and subscribers on Instagram and followers on YouTube. And, and there's all kinds of things that determine our status. And maybe it's not a, a media platform for you. Maybe it's your job status. Okay, maybe, maybe you're more concerned about what you are perceived at, at work. Maybe you're, you're first in charge or second or third, or there's some sort of pecking order, and, and you just, man, I got that promotion. Now I'm a shift manager. Now I'm a supervisor. Now I'm the scheduler. Now I get to take out the trash, you know, whatever it is. And you're, there's a kind of influence that you have, or maybe there's something that you're concerned about that's not job-related, but maybe it's, maybe it's more civil, more home, homeward. Maybe it's your marriage status or your parental status. Maybe it's your academic status. And here's the deal. Jesus is vying for us, saying, guys, don't, don't be so concerned about what everybody else thinks. You remember I taught, taught you this a couple weeks ago? Because, because we're so concerned about what everyone thinks about us, aren't we? And the real trick is, is that nobody's actually thinking about you at all. Okay, not even one person. Maybe your mom, like occasionally, you know. But nobody else is really thinking about you. And all you're thinking about, man, if I get this and I got that, I got the raise. I wonder what everybody thinks. Everybody hates you. You know, it's like nobody, nobody's, I'm serious. And you're, oh, I can't believe it. Look at it. Nobody. And the Lord's saying to you, think about what I think. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And this is such a trip because every culture struggled with this. I think ours is, it's all heightened and, and hyped up and how we live for God and not for what others think. And in order to overcome the fear of man, and to illustrate this, Jesus spent some time talking about the Father's love. And I just need you to grasp this concept. Because if you're going to walk out of here successful today, it's going to be based on the Father's love for you. What's going to encourage you to, to run your business, to raise your kids, to, to, to post stuff on Facebook, and to do what you do, to, to make good decisions, is the Father's love for you. Jesus would say it this way, or Paul would say it this way, the love of Christ compels us. If God really loves me, if I'm really a Christian, 
If all this is really happening, then a lot of resources and power and strength has already been given to me and direction to make the decisions I need to make, to take the stance I need to stand, to stay away from that which I need to stay away from. If God loves you, and here's the problem, is most of you intellectually believe, yeah, God loves me. But when it comes to a real heartfelt understanding of God's love, okay, when you really understand God's love, you just, all the rest of the world fades away, does it not? Turn the radio off, you walk away from the, the stuff, you don't need anything. When you're really absorbed in God's love, his love for you, you're good. You're good. And the devil, listen please, he has from the very beginning sought to distract you and distort you from God's love. Genesis chapter 3. Satan walks in to the woman. What's going on, Eve? How are you doing? Not bad. Look what we got. Everything's great. Is it really great? I think God's holding out on you. <gasps> I never thought about it that way. What do you mean? And the lies began to ensue. Well, he gave you all the trees. That's pretty cool. But he did not give you this one. And the distortion and the lies and wondering, does God really love me? Is God really good? Man, and this lies the same thing you and I are going to face every single day. But when you get it in your heart, God loves me. Instead of, I wonder if they love me. I wonder if they love me. I wonder if, if I do this, they'll like me. If I do this, I'll like me. Blah, 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 blah. And the real foundation for success in your life and so Jesus gives us these illustrations. Remember he talked about the sparrow? And he said that not a sparrow falls to the ground unless the Lord approves it. And how much more does the Lord love us than sparrows? It's kind of a trippy thought. It's like, you know, you, you almost think, oh, that's cool poetry. That's cool. That's cool. It, no, it's not poetry. It's the Lord saying, no, I love you more than you'll ever even understand. That, that, that I even number the hairs on your head. That, that I'm aware of the hairs on your head. And we talked about that and how God is absolutely involved in our lives and the idea there is one of intimacy okay and this and we talked about hair a couple weeks ago and you know god how many of you guys ever do a head count you have a bunch of kids in your family you're like a one two can you imagine doing a hair count you know on average we lose 100 to 150 hairs per day okay on average the average american 100 to 150 a day the average american not american the average human sorry as i you know it's all over the place. It has 100,000 hairs, so you, know, you can't really tell. And God's numbering all that. And you could easily just sit here and say, yeah, that's, that's cool. That's, that's a good way of like, making it seem sweet. I don't think he's lying. He knows. How many of you guys out there, when you see one of those gray hairs, you pluck it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't do that. You need those hairs. You know what I'm saying? Like, you need, just leave them there. Let them grow. Let them grow. And, I remember a couple years ago, though, about two years ago, my beard, like for some reason, unexplainable reason, began to gray in some areas, like kind of a little bit here and a little bit here and like a whole bunch right here. And, and it was starting to gray, and I was like, oh, man. And I was watching the Major League Baseball players. They were dyeing their beards. Remember, the ba they just have these wonderful black beards that make them just look young. And so I went to Fred Myers and I bought that kind of just for men kind of brushing stuff. <laughs> I'm not messing with you guys, too. I started, and I started kind of put that stuff in a little bit, you know, and it was really different you know and, and i've got pictures and i can go back and watch videos i'm like what was i doing you know and, and all of that and not just man just let it go and let it go and, and, and the, the lord loves and i just i if you're gonna leave here today successful maybe even just happy you got to believe that the lord loves you if you're wondering if i love you if your spouse loves you if your boss loves you if your government loves you whoever you fill in the blank you're gonna offend them and and by the way they're more in love with themselves whoever it is than they are with you it's just it's just the nature but if you leave here today knowing that the Lord is in love with me why would he use such superfluous illustrations like hair and birds 
Hair's crazy, by the way. Did you know that you can take a follicle of your hair, just, and it will give a record of every substance that's ever been in your bloodstream? Okay, every, it, it's that detailed. Things you did years ago, it's, it's there. It's a little bit, you know, a little bit right there. Did you know that when a hair falls out of your head, out of the follicle there, that if that follicle will not be completely done, you know, balding, stuff like that. But if, if it just falls out, did you know that immediately it begins to repair and produce a new hair? Just immediately right after that? And it to me just speaks to the Lord's intimacy with our lives. And he knows everything about you. We can't know everything. I've been through a whole lot. He knows it. Well, I feel like this area's falling apart, going gray, falling out, done. And the Lord said, I can repair that. This, 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 is, this is what you need, folks. This is what Jesus gives these guys on his way to die for the sins of the world is the love of the Father. It's what holds it all together. Not mansions, not trophies, not positions, not power, not authority. Listen, not even your own selfish wants. Don't live for them. Don't live for them. Careful, don't live for him. Live for him. That's the Lord. This is the whole, the whole idea. This is Christianity. It's what Jesus is laboring for. God loves you so much. More, more than anything on earth, you're his prized creation. Isn't that weird? The earth's pretty crazy. My wife and I were talking about space and uh, how big things are. and We were arguing over how long it takes to get to Mars, and she was right. I thought it took longer, but she knew. She knew. It takes on average 300 days to get to Mars, and I thought it was longer, but I was wrong. But anyway, you know, it's, it's long, you know and we were talking about people building you know, stations on Mars and all these ideas and evolution, all these crazy ideas out there. And God made all that. And I'm not saying he's disinterested in that stuff, okay, because he, he's, he's, he's amazing. He has enough capacity to be interested in everything, even the stars, the, most, the craziest stars that we've never even seen. He loves them. But you guys, he loves you more than all that. I mean, you guys are nuts. Humans are nuts. Absolutely made in his image. Souls, okay, body, mind, spirit. Like the, the crazy thing that you are and that I am. And God says, I, I love you. I've put more value on you than the world will ever value a human. And yet we're so quick to, I wonder if they like me. I wonder if this is going to fulfill me. I wonder if this is going to do it for me. And the Lord says, my love will just give you everything you need right then and there. And the, there's three, three different types of love, really. The love of man over here and the love of man over here. And then the love of this man, self-love. You know, this is going to make me happy. Listen, all that stuff will mess with you. God loves you so much. He says this in uh, Psalm 56, 8. The psalmist says, You've kept count of my tossings, and you've put my tears in your bottle. Are they not all written in your book? Now, again, that's cool poetry. What the psalmist says there is that God catches your tears, he saves them. Probably, Probably not true. Really? 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 What it also says is that he numbers our tossings. That means when you can't sleep and you roll over from side to side, he counts those. One, two, three, four, you know. And they're in his book. And, I'm, and he's not a mathematician in the sense of like, oh, that was a crazy night's sleep. Good job. You know, he's just, what, what it means is he's, he's right there. He's, he's journaling your thoughts while you can't sleep. You don't need to raise your hand, but how many of you guys were awake at 4 o'clock this morning? Okay, I'll raise my hand for you. Like, I was there. Did you, you know, <laughs> that's a, not a cool time to be awake. Just, you know, there's never a reason to be awake at 4. The Bible says in Psalm 58, God's right there. Do you believe that? He's right there, journaling your thoughts. Wouldn't that be, next time you can't sleep, wouldn't that be awesome if you just decided to meditate on God is right there with you, loving you? 
And usually, I, when I can't sleep, I'm negative, I'm mad, I'm you know, mad at somebody, thinking about the days, crying, I gotta get up, I gotta, you know? Wouldn't it be fun just to know that the Lord loves you? He numbers and he writes about those nights that you can't sleep. He loves you. Now, here's the catch. Here's the big idea that Jesus is arguing for, beginning again in verse 8, is that he loves you and he asks you to love him in return. He asks you and I to confess him before men and not to deny him. Do you want me to see that? Hey, confess me before men. I'll confess you before angels. Deny me? That's not going to go well for you. Blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Not going to go well for you. Jesus doesn't ask us to walk strong and to stand tall until and before he says, by the way, I love you more than you could ever understand. I'm going to need some crazy illustrations so you can just believe when I ask you to abstain from that which you should abstain from and to partake in that which you should partake in, you need to know that I love you. That's why I'm asking you to do this because love is a two-way road, is it not? There's a response. I love you. You ever said I love you to somebody and they just stare at you? Hey, I love you. I appreciate that. I love you. I like you, you know, I was, well, you know, I was like, well, that changes everything. Our conversation just went weird, you know. I love you. It's supposed to respond with I love you too. It's just kind of there. So husbands take note. Your wife says I love you. That's the next thing you say, you know. I love you too. Now here's the idea though. Listen, please. Confessing the Lord with your lips is pretty easy. You ever said I love you to somebody but not shown your love? It's a huge problem, huge problem. You can say this to your kids, I love you, and you probably do. You can say this to your spouse, I love you, and you probably do. You can say it to whoever, I love you, God, and you probably do. But actions speak louder than words, do they not? And in tandem, it's perfect. When I say I love you, but then I look and act like I love you, I mean, I'm, gonna be, I'm real honest up on stage. Sometimes I get in trouble for it, but I'm real honest. But I'm, I can tell my wife, I've told her for the last 18 years of our marriage, 17 years of our marriage, that I, that I love her. But there has been times in our lives where my, the evidence of that love from me to her is very different. And even the emotion behind it. And I know what it's like when I say it because I'm committed. But I also know when, it, when, I'm, when I'm feeling it and living in it and enjoying it. And the Lord will say that. You want to do well in life? Don't just confess me with your lips. It's pretty easy. The easiest confession of Christianity is Jesus Christ is Lord. It's pretty easy. But when the confession comes, I think Jesus is asking for it not just to come from our lips, but out of our life. So here's the, the question. Who, who do you live for? Not just who do you love, because you're all at the 9 a.m. service. Good job. Good job. You all love Jesus. But who do you, who do you live for for real? This is such a fun question when you figure this out. Who, who rules your life? And again, there's three groups that I'm trying to keep us away from, the crowds, the critics, and really yourself. Those are the three different pitfalls. The, the pride of life and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, it's all, just, it's all right there. It's out, it's out, it's in. So who's on the throne of your heart? Who, who are you more concerned about than any other? What if you woke up tomorrow and said, I'm going to be more concerned about Jesus than anything else? <laughs> this is going to be so fun. That day's going to be so legit. You're going to serve. You're going to deny self and serve others and love God. But you've got to make that decision. Am I, am I more concerned about what they think? Am I more concerned about what they think? Am I concerned about what I get? You're going to be in the ditch. Who's, who's the most important person to you? Your peer group? Is it, is it your spouse or your girlfriend? your boss, somebody you're trying to impress, yourself, 
Most of us just live for ourselves and, and our own desires, our want-tos. How many of you guys ever just come down with a case of the want-tos? I just want to. Raise your hand. How many of you guys ever got the want-tos? I just want to. Why are you doing that? I just want to. Yeah, I got three kids. They get want-tos all the time. <laughs> I just want to do it. And I get ideologies. I get my want-tos. I just wanted, I just, did you know that, here's, here's the deal though, God is so good, it takes a divine interruption to interrupt our lives and to get our attention and to show us where we've been deceived and to ruling our own hearts and our own desires. And God is faithful to interrupt your life. When, when you have these want-tos or you're serving the wrong crowd, he's so good. I, I stand before you here because of God's graciousness in my life to interrupt me. Luke, what are you doing? Well, I just wanted to do this. He's like, yeah, I know. Let's not want to do that anymore. Can we, you know, like he talks to me, like I talk to my kids. Let's not want to do that anymore. Okay, sorry, you know. When do I get out of jail, you know? <laughs> Soon enough, you know. Jonah had a divine interruption from his want-tos. He wanted to do his own thing. He did not want to serve the Lord, didn't want to go to Nineveh, <coughs> didn't want to do that. He had, a, he had a, I don't want to, do, I, I'm going to do my own thing. And the Lord interrupted him. And isn't it crazy that when the Lord finally interrupted Jonah, that Jonah was able to single-handedly lead the greatest revival in the known history of the world? More people got saved from his one crappy little sermon. Read it. It's the worst sermon. No pastor takes notes from it. Nobody steals it. Like, that was actually pretty. No, nobody. He goes there and gives the worst sermon ever because his divine his want-tos was interrupted and the Lord saved the whole nation. Now, I say that because most of you in here have your own want-tos, and you're like, well, it's not, I'm, not, I'm not Jonah. It's not a big deal. I'm just going to continue to live this life. I'm gonna wa I want to do this, and I know it's out of order. I don't care. I just don't care. This is what I'm going to do. And I would challenge you saying, I, I tr trust me. The Lord will do through you crazy things. Remember Moses? He had a case of the want-tos. Okay? He, he didn't, didn't want to do what the Lord wanted him to do. God finally got a hold of him, humbled him, took 40 years, took some embarrassing moments. Finally, he surrendered, took his sandals off, worshiped God. God said, let's go. And he was able to deliver the children of Israel from Exodus, from Egypt. Became Moses, the leader, when he finally set down his want-tos. Remember Gideon? Gideon had a case of the want-tos. I just, I, I just want to do this. I want to be over here. And he denied what the Lord wanted for his life in Judges chapter 6 all the way through 9. And, and God used Gideon when Gideon finally said, okay, okay, all right. And he began to step into then what God wanted for him. Here's my point. Is if you don't know God loves you and has good things for you, you will continue to go your own way every, every single day. I'm just going to listen to this, even though I know it's offensive to the Lord. I'm going to watch this, even though I know it's offensive to the Lord. I'm going to do this, even though I know it's offensive to the Lord, because I want to. Okay? You, you can't. The scary thing is, is you can do that. And the Lord would say, don't. I love you. Confess me before men, and I will confess you before angels. And he overwhelms us with his love. And he wants us to be used in the way that he has indicated for our life. Now, a lot of you in here have had this miracle happen where your want-tos are just rattled. Whoa. Whoa. Lord, I've been so selfish in my marriage. I've been so selfish in my business. I've been so selfish in my life. Whoa. It's, it's, it, I just need to let you guys know this. It's a divine interruption. 
I can sit and meet with you and shake you, you know, and I can talk to my PO, you know, and I can talk to kids and parents. I've got three kids, and I'm just praying for a divine interruption in their life, you know, like they just change their heart. And you need the Lord to change your heart. And a couple weeks ago, I was meeting with some friends, and we were just praying for those who were concerned about and just praying for them. And Lord, just change their hearts. I've had my heart changed, and I've seen you do miracles. And that's what we need is the Lord to change our hearts. And I told you this three weeks ago. You've got to decide that you're going to serve the Lord and confess him before you're asked to. You have to make a decision before you have to make the decision. Wouldn't it be awesome if you just woke up every day and said, I'm going to serve you, Jesus. Okay, which means I'm going to deny myself, I'm going to deny the popular crowd and the, the, the power, I'm going to deny the critics and their voice that scares me. I'm just going to, I'm going to decide today to live for Jesus. And then that decision that you made in the beginning will be seen throughout the rest of your day as you continue to unfold that decision. You can't just be in the middle, otherwise you'll deny the Lord. Notice he says in verse 8 again, this is all verse 8, Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels. And uh, this isn't just seen, uh, or should I say this isn't just in your heart or in secret, it's actually seen by all, it's evidenced. Let me ask you a question, how many of you guys have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? You can raise your hand, it's not your question. Yeah, you have a personal, okay, how many of you guys pray, pray to him privately, and you read your Bible privately, and you worship him privately, and you are, you just, you, you take great comfort in him privately, and you take walks with him, and you journal, and, and you don't ever want me to read your journal, and I won't, and it's between, you know, unless you get arrested, we'll have to, you know, but then, you know, and it's between you and him. Guess what? I have that too. It's my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You gotta have it. It is legit, okay? And nobody knows about my personal relationship with Jesus Christ besides him. That, and you should have that. You need to have that, but, but there also needs to be a public relationship with Jesus Christ. There needs to be something that is evidenced, that is tangible, that is experienced, that is felt, that is seen, that is shared, that is sensed. The Bible says one of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 2.14, that Christ leads us in victory and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I think if you have that personal relationship with Jesus, you'll actually smell different at the workplace. You'll smell different in court. You'll smell different when you're in trouble. You'll just be different. It's the aroma of Christ, and that's the evidence that people will sense. It's just different. The way you do business is just, I don't know what it is, but I also think that that's the kind of esoteric essence of Christ should be sensed, but also there should be something in your, Jesus says, confess me. How's that going to look? It's going to be seen in the way you do things. It's going to be evidence in the way you don't do things. And there are people here right now that say, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's personal, okay? I don't, I don't take it to the workplace. I don't take it to college. I don't take it online. I don't take it. Oh, okay. Careful. Because you have the first thing going on. But it should be evidenced in your life. People should be able to see Jesus. On Friday, I was at Walmart. You guys ever been there before? I was actually late somewhere, but I needed something. So I stopped. And there was like kind of this divine moment. I saw this, this dude there that I hadn't seen in many, many years. It was kind of, cra- kind of crazy. And I was like, this is crazy. Anyway, so I went and talked to him. And things got to talking. And at the end of our conversation, I knew he needed prayer more than anything else. And so we were at Walmart, and I saw a bunch of people I knew. And we're right there kind of by the sandals and the baby formula right there in that aisle right there. You know, people are jamming by and trying to talk to me. And, I just, and, and he got kind of vocal at one point, kind of raised his voice. And people were, you know, security might have, might have walked by once. I'm not sure. But any, at one point, I just said, you know, let's just pray. 
Let's pray. And I said, can I pray for you right now? And I put my hand on his shoulder, and here we are having church, you know, on Friday afternoon. You know, I'm late for my meeting, and I just, I didn't care, and I knew he was emboldened, and people walking by, and Christians, and there's Jesus right there, evidence in our lives. We're not just doing this behind closed doors. It's not just personal. We're going to seek Jesus in his kingdom no matter where we're at, even if it's the sandal aisle at Walmart, you know, taking care of our souls, you know. I, that just, that was good. That was good. That's going to go on the 11 o'clock, too. Thank you, Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, no. A couple weeks ago, I was in my closet upstairs. <laughs> oh, we, we, we prayed. <laughs> still praying, still praying. And I was in my closet a couple weeks ago, and I was, I was recording that Easter ad you might have heard on the radio that was going out, and, and I was recording it in my closet because my kids were downstairs, and I needed some privacy, and with the microphone, and this, you know, my own studio right there in my closet. It was perfect. And anyways, I, was, I was reading, and I was just reading my, my copy that I put together over and over, inviting people to our four services, citizens and saints, all the rest. And nowhere in this particular copy that I put together did it say anything about the resurrection or Jesus. It just wasn't in there. It was more facts and details. Hey, our services, come out, it's Easter. And I, I, I said it probably 20 times. I was trying to get that perfect, you know, radio, creamy, smooth voice, like, hey, everybody, Pastor Luke Frechette. You know, I was trying to get that thing rolling. And, and all of a sudden, I was just, I was sick of the ad, because it, because I knew not everyone was going to hear it and come to church. But a lot of people, thousands of people, okay, got 60 plays on six different channels, 360 airs all over the place, all over. And I knew some people, that's all they're going to hear. They're going to reject coming to church, but they're going to hear something. So I, I changed everything. And I said, if I'm going to go on the air, radio, and pay for advertising, they need to hear about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not just South Beach Church in our four services. That's not good enough. South Beach, what we're doing it's because of Jesus and the resurrection. So I changed the 30-second ad to include, we're celebrating Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection for you and for me. So that way they would get the gospel right there in that 30-second ad, and I wouldn't blow it and pay for advertising that wasn't doing Jesus the best witness that I could do in that short 30 seconds. And I was just convicted, but I had, to, I had to make a decision. Okay, okay, this is, you know, KNPT. This is, you know, 92, whatever, six. This is Boss FM. This is all those stations. And I'm talking about Jesus and the resurrection, which you're not going to hear on any of the songs, on any of the ads ever again on those stations, which is, that's not what those stations are there for. I understand. So I thought, I thought well, I'm gonna, that's going to stick out. They're, it's going to be different, you know. I said, that, what, what are we trying to do with our lives? I'm not trying to be a bully and stick out in, a, in an obnoxious way, okay? Done that. Don't do it. But I am trying to be on purpose for Christ. Jesus said, confess me before men, I'll confess you before the angels. Pray in Walmart. Do stuff. Do, live for Jesus. I got my private life. I prayed when no one saw me pray. Good job. Good. But you better be willing to put the flag at the top of the pole and do things for Jesus. Otherwise, it's not going to go well. It's the warning here. People should be able to see Jesus in your life. Now, not everyone here or everyone in Christianity, I've talked to a lot of people that are just, not a, I don't have a label for them. I was going to say nominal, but I'll let you fill it in. And they just, I don't, my, my Christianity is very private. It's not something I share with people. And I, I wonder, is there a verse for that? Is there, is there you know, I don't see that. And unless we become legalist or cult or weirdos, and I put something on you that's not from God, okay, let me just free you a little bit. It's going to look different for all of us. Okay, there are certain groups that say, we, we want to make sure that people know we're Christians. Well, well, how do we do that? We're all going to wear long dresses. That'll do it. 
you know, it's like, oh, maybe, you know, we're all going to listen to Amy Grant, you know, we're all going to cover our heads, we're all going to do something, and I want to be a legalist or, or conformist in that way, so it's going to look different for you, I'll give you that much, okay, it's going to look different for you, you're, you're Christ, I'm not going to, I'm not going to set a working order for, here's what it looks like, do this, this, and this, and they'll know, but you, you'll know if you're doing it. So let me just give you five ways, though, that will come up. Okay, write these down. Confessing Christ is not just Jesus Christ is Lord. It is that, but it's more. It will look different in your life and in my life. You might not pray at the sandal section at Walmart or whatever. But it will show up in these five ways. Number one, it'll show up in your morals. Doing what's right and not doing what's wrong. If Jesus rules your heart. If he's there. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. There is no sinless Christian but Christians do sin less and less and less. I do not believe Christians can become sinless, okay? But you will be on a continued path of sinning less and less and less and less and less and less and less. And you will be more convicted by lesser sins as you mature in Christ. Things that once you got away with and didn't bother you, as you become much more closer to the Lord, it's like, oh, it grieves me that I did that. And you're more sensitive. Your morals, what you do and what you don't do. If Jesus, now if you don't have Jesus on the throne of your heart, if it's the crowd, or if it's the critics, or if it's yourself, your morals are pick and choose. Here's another way that it will be evidenced in your life. Good works. James says that if you have faith, that's awesome. But if you don't have good works, your faith is dead. So, so somebody sitting here right now said, I have faith, Jesus Christ is Lord. Cool, what do you do about it? What do you mean? I don't have to do anything about it. No, no the good works are to be evidenced. You're going to be doing something for somebody. Even if it's not here at the church, that's fine. Okay? We don't really have a lot to do here at South Beach Church in this warehouse. Okay? Sunday school and some other stuff. Some, but, but really, you're, you should be on the grind. I just want to serve somebody. I'm grateful and I'm generous. How? You know, with who I am. I'm a Christian. Can, can people see it? In your morals and your good works, your service. Here's another one in your business practice. Okay? Your, your just business ethics. How you run your business. Or how you work for somebody, how you're responsible. I uh, work out at the CrossFit gym here in town, and Ryan and Tara Richardson own it. They also own the flower shop here in town, and, and, and I'm so impressed by them and the way they just love their clients and the way they love Jesus and the way they love their family. And whenever big holidays come up or events, they always, they always pray. They always give credit to Jesus, and just, they don't have to do that. They don't really have to, but they choose to. We're going to run our business and just make sure everyone knows we're Christians. Okay, just cause That's just one, one thing we can do. Here's another one, number four, relationships. Say you're a Christian. Yep, I confess Jesus is my Lord. It's going to be evidence in your relationships. It's going to be in the way you love your spouse, the way you date, your love life. It's going to, it's going to come up. You're going, to, you're going to have boundaries and rules. I don't do that because I love Jesus. I do this, okay? Married person, I commit because I'm a Christian. It's going to, it's going to show up. Last one. Uh, social media, I mentioned it already. Just confess the Lord, you know? Just let, him, let people know you're a Christian. I've seen, and I've seen this. I'm friends with a lot of you guys on Facebook, and I see verses of the day shared, and I see people checking. It's so fun to see maturity happen. So the question is, is does Jesus get to lead? Is he in charge, or is he just a passenger? Uh, I was going to watch an interview, or should I say a trailer, but we don't have time today. You have to watch it on your own. Uh, it's with Jim Caviezel. He plays 
Luke in uh, the Apostle Paul. How many of you guys seen the Apostle Paul yet, the movie? It's not playing here. That's why you guys haven't seen it. Um, but it is playing in the world, uh, Portland, Salem, stuff like that, and it'll come out on Netflix eventually in, in rentals. And so in this movie, though, he plays Luke, and he goes and finds Paul. It's an amazing trailer. I can't wait to see the movie. But Jim Caviezel, who also played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ, was interviewed, and he has recently, in the last five or ten years or more, given his life radically to Jesus Christ, and he's no longer a Hollywood actor. He's a Christ actor, and he, he acts for Christ, and Hollywood has banished him and all the rest. And, and he, with just passion in his eyes in this interview, said, Christians, this is for the Christians. The Christians got to wake up. They need to wake up and, and have a witness for Christ. They don't understand that they're all going to die. We're all going to die. We're so concerned about how we live here. We're all going to die. We only have a short window of opportunity to do what's right, to say no to what's wrong, to live for the king, and it's over. This is the best, or should I say the worst, it will ever get for Christians. This is our hell. Did you know that? And what awaits for us is heaven. This is the worst it's ever going to get. For the non-believer, this is the best it'll ever get. Okay, this is the best. And then hell forever and ever and ever. And Jesus says this. He who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. You ever go to give somebody a uh, high five? Hey, and they, they don't see. <laughs> it's the worst, isn't it? You're like, oh, then you're like, who saw, you know? Or you go give Nux, and you're like, yeah, whatever, you know, whatever. Okay, this is going to be way worse. You know what I'm saying? Like Jesus says, you deny me before men, I'm gonna, you're going to get to heaven, and I'm going to deny you. <laughs> what? Why? You know, right before that, he said, I love you more than you'll ever understand. I know your hairs. I, know, I love you so much, but, but love works. It's not just God loving you. Done. You ever hug somebody that doesn't hug you back? It's like hugging a piece of cardboard. So, it's a bummer. It's just, ooh, that didn't work, you know. And the, and the Lord is hugging a number of people, and it's like cardboard. He's like, oh, interesting, interesting. Verse 10, he says, And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. Just that forgiveness reigns. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. And what Jesus is saying here is, I can forgive any sin you commit. I can forgive all of them. But there is one that will not be forgiven. There is one that when committed will take you to hell. There's no forgiveness for you. All the other sins, forgiven! But there's one, just one! Isn't that crazy? Just one, almost like the Garden of Eden. Just one tree. Everything else atoned for, provided for, just one. It'd be like if you went to your house later today and I said underneath your carpet and in the floorboards, there's a landmine, just one. There's only one. You can walk anywhere you want. If you hit that one landmine, though, it's over. And you're going to be, you, you should be like, got any clues? <laughs> you know, like, any reference, you know, carpet or wood? What am I looking for? You know, where's it at? And even if I identified it for you, there's one landmine, take you out, it's right there. Thank you. Now I can live freely and not do that one thing. This one thing that Jesus brings up is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Yesterday, I got a text from a friend of mine saying, what does Jesus mean in Matthew 12? when he's speaking about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It was really cool, I was like, are you for real? I was like, I'm teaching on this tomorrow. And this person's like, that's incredible, I won't be there, but I'll watch the, you know, I'll catch it later, it's incredible, you know. And how, how many of you guys have ever freaked out about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Like, just right, be honest, don't lie to me at church right now, okay? You get, you're like, oh, that's, what the heck, the heck? Can I just say something? If you've freaked out about it, you wondered about it, concerned about it, the chances are you haven't committed it, just so you know. 
It's the people that aren't worried about it, don't, don't care, that, that are actually committing it right now. If you have a heart of sensitivity at all to the Lord, to the Word, to His things, you have not committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Okay? You're a sinner in need of grace in the blood of Jesus, but that is not the sin that you've committed. You can deny the Lord, Peter did. You can doubt the Lord, Thomas did. You can sin against the Lord, we all have. All of that can be forgiven and was at the cross. It is the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit that will not be forgiven. And let me just summarize it this simply. The main ministry of the Holy Spirit amongst men is to convict the world, John 16, to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. That's what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit is here. Convicting the world of those three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. And if in those convicting moments you are stiff-necked and rebellious towards what the Holy Spirit brings to you as a human in the world, that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit will render you unforgiven because you've been convicted of sin, which is to lead you to forgiveness. Did you know that when Jesus convicts you of sin, it's so he can deliver you? It's the whole deal. Like he says, come here, no. You got a sliver in your finger, no, come here. Come here, come here. You know, I did this to my daughter the other day. I was like, I'm not letting you go play until I get the sliver out. Tears, all that, you know. Sliver's going, oh, thanks, Dad, that was great. See ya, you know. <sighs> you know, and the Lord convicts you. But the, the world out there doesn't want anything to do with that. And so under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, they stay in this stance of no to what? Forgiveness, deliverance. God says, I want to deliver you and forgive you. No, I'm good. And so it's not the sin of immorality, thievery, the Ten Commandments. It's not, not those sins that got them in the position of needing forgiveness that will damn them to hell. It is being and remaining in the state of unforgiveness that is the only unpardonable sin. I had this conversation with a murderer one time, and he was on the run, and he was heavy, and he brought up the unpardonable sin, and he thought it was taking the life of another person. I said, no, no, the unpardonable sin, the unforgivable sin is not receiving forgiveness of your sins. That's the sin that will keep you from going to heaven is if you don't get forgiven for your sins that kept you out of heaven. And you, sh you should have seen the weight drop off this guy's shoulders. The lights, are you, are you kidding now, the Bible goes on to tell us in the book of Genesis that God's spirit will not labor with us forever. There is a moment where God will stop knocking on your door. He'll stop convicting you. He'll stop calling you if you're, if you're not a believer. If you are a believer here, he's got the keys to your house, okay? He's in. Just, you know, he's going to keep knocking. He's going to break in. He's going to surprise you. He's committed to you in all of your wicked ways, okay? Trust me. And I am thankful that the Lord has a master set of keys to my house. He's welcome. But if you're not a believer yet, there's a warning. There is a warning here that if you don't confess me, I will deny you. And if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, you will stay unforgiven. It's that simple. And what you and I need to do is bow the knee before the Lord and say, Lord, would you forgive me of my sins? And at that moment, you begin to then receive the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with every single person in this room, everyone watching on the stream, at home, everyone in the entire world, he's there knocking. I'm going to have the worship team come up now. I heard, read a story recently. World War II. And these four planes took off over the Atlantic, fighting the Germans. And these four planes took off. And as they went about their flight pattern, they had made a commitment to be back at a certain time. A certain time, we're coming back. And yet they thought that they could accomplish more good by staying out longer. 
And so they stayed out beyond their time of arrival. They stayed out beyond where they were supposed to return, not knowing that the Germans had surrounded their landing ships and the communication had gone dark. There was no way to communicate. So when these planes came back, true story, they radioed in, hey, we're coming back, turn the lights on. Where's the boats? Hey, we're, we're back. We're sorry we're late. Sorry we're late. Where's the boats? And the people on the boats, true story, heard these radio calls asking, flash the lights, let us land, we're here now, knowing that there were thousands of people on these ships, lives at stake. Turn the lights on, we all die. Leave the lights on, just four planes go down. Just four planes. And those men on that boat sat in darkness, radio silence, because it was too late. Watching those four, they watched the four planes crash into the ocean and die. Because the communication had ceased. It had stopped. And I love Jesus, and I know you do too. But I don't want to take advantage of my Savior. And I don't want to just keep living my life the way I want to live it. I don't want to do that. It's so foolish would we be to, to spit upon him who gave everything for us. He says, confess me before men. Not just, Jesus is Lord, that's easy. Let it be seen in your life. Let it be seen in your actions. There is a moment. If you're not a believer here today, today's the day for you. you have, if you're not a believer here today, you haven't been forgiven of your sins, you are currently committing the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. No one sin that will keep you out. And you could ask this question, am I going to hell unless you repent? Yes. And if you repent, no. You will not go to hell. You will be saved. Like me, who deserves hell, but has been saved. Like all of us. So I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes as we sing and respond now. And I want you who have not yet given your heart to Jesus Christ. He, is, he brought you here this morning. Think about that. He's numbered the hairs on your head. He knows who you are. He has more in store for you than you could ever imagine. He wants to set you free and fill your heart and heal you. Taking all your burdens, all your shame, all your pain. That's what he, it's the great exchange. He says, give me all your junk your pain and mistakes and I'll give you my love and forgiveness and my righteousness I'll give it all to you that's why you're here today it's not so much about you as it is about him and if that's you would you just right now slip your hand up right now and just receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ don't be stoic and pride just do it receive just lift your hand up even a little bit Confess him in your heart. Let him in right now. Just put, him, put your hand up saying, Jesus, I want you to come into my life and forgive me of my sins. I want to live for you. Keep your hand up. And if you're a Christian here and you've been struggling with sin and you have not been living for Jesus, you've confessed him with your mouth, but you have not confessed him with your life and you need help and you're willing to say, Lord, would you help me? Get me out of the ditch. Show me that you love me. Convince me. Get, put your hand up, would you, Christian? Put your hand up nice and high. If you need Jesus to rattle your cage a little bit, to deliver you, to walk with you, to strengthen you, and even just be kind to you. Say, hey, that's enough. That's enough of that. My hand's up too because I'm going to let the Lord search my heart. He knows my ways. Put your hand up, Christian, if you want him to search your heart and show you what it is that he wants you to do. And Lord, we thank you. You can put your hands down. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name for your great love and your great grace, which is expressed on the cross, that your blood flowed, your body hung in order that we could be saved, in order that we could live today. Holy Spirit, make it real as we come to the table of communion now and celebrate your death, burial, and resurrection, waiting for your return until you come back, Lord. We do this now in Jesus' name. Amen.